Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, Who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 389 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Christine Baker. Christine lives in Albuquerque, New Mexico, where she is a video producer with a large church. Welcome, Christine. Thank you so much, Jen, for having me. I'm so excited. It's so great to talk to you today. This is my favorite thing to do. I love to talk to intermittent fasters, (laughs) as you probably are not surprised to hear. (laughs) I know. I love it. And I benefit from it because I listen to you talking to intermittent fasters all the time. So, well, it's it's it's, great. This is an honor. Everybody, you, everybody who tells their story, like you have no idea how grateful I am that you you want to tell your story and that people want to listen to it. Yes, me too. It's been so helpful for me and my story, this podcast specifically, which is hilarious because I've never listened to podcasts before this one, not a single one. This was my first one. And so, but it's been just the make or break of my entire fasting life. And so I'm, it's just amazing for me to get to take part in this podcast. Well, with that you. makes me really, really happy. It gave me goosebumps a little bit there because I just, you know, when I first started doing this podcast, I'm like, are people going to want to listen to this? <laughs> but I'm so grateful that people do because we, we really learn so much through stories. Really, you know, when I was a teacher, I told stories about history, I told stories about science. And now it's just people who are telling stories about, what they've been through. And, you know, we're, we're humans. We like to connect with other humans and their stories. 
Exactly. And I've caught all the way up now. Awesome. That's a, that's a, a task. <laughs> it is. I've li- I went back. I'm one of those people. I had to start with number one and listen to him in order. And so just probably a couple of weeks ago, I caught up. And now, so I'm now where I'm waiting for the, the new ones to come out. Whereas before, I always had so many. I could listen to three in a day if I wanted to. And sometimes I did. But I'm enjoying the podcast with you and Sherry so much. And I it love came doing at that. Just the right time because I was caught up on this one. And so then I got to, now I have two. And so it just helps me so much. I don't think I could have done this without your podcast. I just don't think I could have hung in. Like well, I thank did. you. That that means a lot, and it's why we do it. It's why we why we're bringing you these podcasts, and why we love doing them. And I also have to laugh a little bit because you've listened to all of them. Now, people will in the community they'll be like, "Does anyone know a podcast where someone had like fill in the blank high blood pressure, sciatica, whatever?" Put something. I'm like, "No, I have no idea." <laughs> I've talked to too many people. I don't. I don't remember who had what. So. Right. I wish I did. Like, if I could go back in time, I would have like a database of podcast keyword, but it's, you can't go back with 389 episodes. Maybe AI could do that. I don't know. I did start kind of back at one to just when I need one to listen to or go on a walk or something. So I don't know. Maybe I'll start a little database for you. Well, people have <laughs> suggested that they would do that and people start the project and it is really, really it a is hard. project. Like I said, maybe AI could do it somehow one day. Right. That That's the only thing I could think of. That's an idea. Who knows? But Anyway, it's certainly a treasure trove of stories because everyone's story has something you can connect with no matter what. And I take something away from everyone as well. Well, you know, I like to start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? I will start at the beginning. I like when people do that myself. So starting when I was small, I'm five, nine and a half probably. I would say that I'm a taller girl. I've just got a larger frame Then the girls I remember growing up with, my best friends, they were all small and petite. And I always just felt like the biggest girl in my friend group. So I I think I equated being tall and big with being overweight. But now, of course, looking back at pictures of when I was little, I wasn't overweight. I had longer legs. I'm more curvy. I have thicker thighs. I'm just built differently than some other girls that I was comparing myself to. I think I was born just loving food. I love food. I've always used food as a way to soothe and to comfort. And it's just always been something that I think I find more enjoyment in maybe than some other people. I've just always really loved food. So then get into high school and I still would not have considered myself overweight but I was more conscious of my body. I was more conscious that I was bigger and, you know, things like cellulite starts to happen and that makes you feel a lot more self-conscious in bathing suits. You know, when you're a teenager with your friends and you're like, why are my thighs a little bit more dimplier? You know, things like that. I can relate to that, Christine, because that was my experience as well. And, you know, you've probably heard me talk about this before. My mother, the dance teacher, I got the cellulite from her. She made comments about her own thighs and that no one should have to look at these thighs. Like she would go to the beach and cover up. And so I internalized that as cellulite is something shameful. And now at the age of 54, you know, I'm like finally able to shed that baggage. But it really does start when you like, like, why do my legs look different than my friends? It's just biology. Exactly. It's how we're built, right? Exactly. <laughs> Same with my mom. My mom's always been a small person and she's always had the cellular. It's just kind of something that runs in our family. Right. And But in my mind, it just meant something different. And so I think in high school, I started, you know, I would notice things like when I would swim or when I would start running, I would drop weight. And I, I remember really liking the feeling of being able to slim down, you know, and I remember back then I would come home every day from school and my mom would make me a big salad and it was great. And it really helped me to control weight. And I started my first job and somebody taught me how to run. And so I feel like, although those were all very healthy things, they taught me what the scale could do and how that made me feel. 
um, attached a lot of value with being small or if I was coming down in weight or if I was going up in weight. And that kind of set me up for a whole lifetime of chasing that feeling. Yeah, I get it. You know, just being so feeling so accomplished when the scale was going down, even though I wasn't really aware, I just knew what my body was doing. I knew the compliments that I was receiving. And when I wasn't receiving those kind of compliments, then it just did a lot of damage. And so I went to college at probably my lowest weight ever. Before I went to college, I was able to drop about 20 pounds. I was really into running. I would say I was in control of my weight. And, and what then, was that lowest weight that you remember? For me, that was about 180. Because like okay. I say, I'm a tall girl. I'm, I'm just... You're I'm strong. I'm strong. Yeah. I've got a right. lot of muscle mass. But you and, felt really good but I felt at great. 180 when you went off to college. I did. I felt toned. My legs felt like I could wear short shorts. And so because I was into running and but you get away to college and I get away from, you know, the, the healthy habits that I had built and just started making some poor choices with eating and couldn't really keep up my exercise routine that I had really built when I was living at home and started to gain a little bit of weight. And like I told you, that scared me to death, just the thought of going back to that place. And so I, I did start, you know, I just developed I would say a mild eating disorder where I would use food to binge and then I would be so terrified that that would lead to get weight gain. So then I would purge and, and it was that was probably with me until I started intermittent fasting. I would be honest. I'm really glad that you're sharing that because I think a lot of people who have been down that road don't want to talk about it. No. Because it's a very shameful feeling of binging and purging. And I, yes. I get it. I remember being at college and some friends of mine were doing that and I found out and yeah, but, but it's, it feels like, like you're in control, right? Exactly. Like the binging, you're out of control, but then you can control what happens next. It's a terrible sight. The binge, it gives you almost the high of a drug or something just this ultimate comfort, but then the guilt hits and then the purge is just a relief. And so I was nervous to talk about that because, you know, it's just not something I am very open with and that not a lot of people know. But I think it's really helpful because of how long I've dealt with that, that of all things intermittent fasting, I have not once, you know, and we'll get to when I started intermittent fasting, but that but it was stopped a big... that for you. Like you, yes. no more feeling the urge to binge and no. purge. No, now, I really think. I mean, this is just me just talking, talking out of my head here. I feel like, based on what I know about the human body and and our our drive to eat and our satiety, I think we are wired to feel full and satisfied. We are supposed to eat until we're full and satisfied, but brought up in toxic diet culture like we have been, you're being rewarded for being slim, you know, and the overabundance of food, we're made to feel guilty for wanting to feel full and satisfied. Like that feels shameful. So we still have those human urges to eat until we're satisfied. And we're also programmed to search out high calorie food because that's what would, you know, determine your survival, you know, when, and back in the day when food was more scarce. I think we're fighting against you know, the modern landscape and the feeling of wanting to be full, but then that toxic diet idea that that's shameful. And so we're like, well, I got to get rid of that. And so talking about it, I think is important. And, and like I said, I'm, I'm grateful that you're sharing that. Right. And fasting lets us feel full. I guess that's where I was going with that. We get to feel full with no guilt. And so we don't feel the need like, oh, I got to get rid of this. But no, you're full, but it's, it's good. Yes. And it's all in healthy boundaries. Right. And that's where I felt like I was out of control. I was out of boundaries. And I remember going to see a counselor in those days and she asked me, you know, what I was looking for. And I just said, I want a healthy relationship with food. Right. That's what I wanted. So that was in my early 20s. Just 
continued on that cycle, did all these crazy diets. I did the cabbage soup diet. I did the beach body. I did, was so addicted to step class, step aerobics, running. I would also try, I feel like part of my purging was exercise as well. So I did a lot of different exercises. I did the one where you eat six tiny meals a day. I never did Weight Watchers. I never did because I think- You and me both, yeah. (laughs) I just- I don't know something about that. It was I was always kind of a solo person when it came to my weight loss. It was always something that I kept private. So the fact of doing it with a group of people just didn't really appeal to me. I would say my 20s was just really about just chasing that high of losing weight and just being very unsuccessful with it. At that time, I was probably right around 200, right around there. So I had gained weight, but I was still fairly comfortable. I'm sure if I would look back at pictures of myself now, I would be completely fine with how I looked in those days. Because then in my late 20s is when I met my husband. And then before we got married, I did that big push before you go. And so I was in the gym. I was just exercising, exercising. I was doing these tiny little meals that was just chicken and rice and the most boring, no salt, no butter, just basic. But that's what I did to get down to my wedding weight, which was 199, which again, I look at my wedding pictures and I'm very happy with the way that I looked. I'm happy with my body. I was able to wear a bathing suit on my honeymoon. I felt very comfortable at 199. Then we were married for about three years. And also in that time of trying to get pregnant, I had the toughest time getting pregnant with my son, was diagnosed with PCOS. And I knew that that is something that I had probably struggled with since I was a teenager because my menstrual cycles had been so unpredictable. I would go a year and only have two periods. And so there was just no diagnosis for that back when I was. People weren't talking about it. We never heard of PCOS ever. And then all of a sudden it's everywhere. Yeah. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium, and specifically, Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency, and in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. And it wasn't until I was trying to get pregnant, couldn't get pregnant, and my doctor, he put me on metformin. I was doing all the things with my temperature in the morning. It took three years to get pregnant with my son. But in that time, I was diagnosed with preeclampsia. So I was in the hospital with him for a month on bed rest and ended up gaining about 60 pounds on that pregnancy, which I did not lose. So I would say I got up to about 260 after I gave birth to my son. And, you know, after you become a new mom, you're not able to exercise. You're not, I was just focused on him. I was just at a very unhealthy weight, 
but I was so happy to be a mom. I was so happy. And so I just kind of put myself on the back burner for sure. And then two years later, I had my second pregnancy. I'd probably lost maybe just 10 pounds. So I was like starting off in the hole. And then I gained another 60 pounds or plus with her. So I, I got up to about 280 with my daughter. And that was the darkest. That was my most unhealthy. That was in 2011. And I was about 36. And I just was at the low point health-wise. I was still using the binging and purging when I just to to treat my feelings of just hating the way that I looked and at the same time trying to control, but it never controlled my weight. That binging and purging never controlled my weight whatsoever. I would say from 2011 to 2017 was the darkest, most unhealthy period of my life, the heaviest that I was. I look back at pictures of myself and I was puffy, just my face it, it's almost unrecognizable. And my blood pressure with my son, I got preeclampsia. I didn't get preeclampsia with my daughter, but after I, she was born, my blood pressure went up and I've never been able to control it since. A lot of fluid um, or tension comes along oh, with that, right? Yes. Yeah. yes. Then I was put on blood pressure medication and I'm still on it today. But that led me to a lot of exercising, dieting, but Really, at that point, I felt like all was lost. I had just done so much damage to my metabolism, to my mental state. But then at the same time, I was so happy with my kids. I love being a mom. I love my family. I love my husband. So I wouldn't say that I was depressed or it was just one of those things where I, I kept my weight and all of that kind of private and I it just hated it. But then I still loved my life and I've always depended on my faith as well to get me, you know, to to just carry me through those things. But ah, I could just never control that constant battle of my weight. And it just was always in the back of your mind, like always, right? Always. Like for me, it was. It was always there. Like I was always thinking about when, when I was obese, when I was it was at my highest weight, it was always in my mind when I went into a room, wherever I did, when I was ordering food, when I was buying groceries, when I was meeting someone new, seeing an old friend, that thought of, I am really big. I am really big. I am really big was there. Like it was like in my internal dialogue and it like felt so bad. And I'm like, why can I not figure this out? I'm good at things. You know, I love my family. Like you, I'm good at so many things. Why is this such a struggle? Such a struggle. Yeah. Such a struggle. And it's just one of the most terrible things that I think people just don't understand of how horrible it can just take over and just make you hate that part and wish so badly. You know, if there was a pill I could buy or anything, I would right? have done it. I, get I would it. have done it. I tried those pills over the years. <laughs> They didn't, didn't, didn't end up being the answer. Surprise, surprise. But yeah, we were desperate. Desperate. That's, that's the perfect word. I was desperate. And I am married now and have my two small kids. They're, you know, very close to, I think I said two years, they're three years apart. They're two grades apart, but they are three years apart. My husband and I, we just kind of became eating buddies, I guess. You know, we would would sit down at night, we would snack, we would have drinks. It was just, you know, when your kids are small, you just, you you kind of pour everything into them. And then in the evening time, it's your time to relax. And, you know, we just built such a, such a great, but also bad habit of sitting on the couch every night and just, you know, kind of spending time with each other, but doing just unhealthy habits, snacking, drinking. I think that probably is a story a lot of people share. I, on the other hand, you know, Chad, he didn't like, he hadn't wired that way. But oh my gosh, now that you just mentioned that, if I had a husband who was a hedonist with food and loved to eat and, like me, oh, that would have been dangerous. <laughs> who knows how much weight I would have gained. But I can totally see how that could play a role. I never felt any sense of shame from him. I never felt like he would look at me with disgust. He always accepted 
whether or not he really did on the outside, I never felt anything but acceptance from him. And so while that's amazing, and I'm not complaining about that, it did give me a little bit more, less accountability, I guess. I get it. You know. Well, because, you know, Chad would say things, and I'm not criticizing him here because he's wired differently. He is a naturally thin, wired person who doesn't eat past his satiety signals pretty much ever. But he would say things like, why are you still eating that? You know, to me, and because he really, honestly, it was like foreign to him. Whereas I could say to him, "Why are you not still eating that?" You know, and and understanding. But again, if I had had a husband who was more like me, I think it would have been not good. Exactly. <laughs> I, I totally it's, get it. Yeah, I think he started out without. He didn't have those the same habits that I built as a child, which snacking and food being comfortable. But as we got married, you know, you kind of pick up each other's habits. And so I think I rubbed off a little on him. And so he, he kind of picked up some of the snacking and stuff. And, you know, so we both gained weight together in that period of time. We both got to our heaviest, I think, in those period after my daughter was born. And so we were looking for something. So right around 2018, maybe late 2017, we found and discovered keto, which that was all the craze back then. It certainly was. <laughs> and at the same time, interestingly enough, my sister, who is six years younger than me, discovered intermittent fasting. We both started on our working out. She was doing intermittent fasting. I was doing keto. But I was implementing a little bit of fasting with keto because back then, that's what you did. You did the they, fasting. They were coming right up together. It was huge. People were doing both. There were people in the keto world that said, unless you're doing keto exactly. with your fasting, it doesn't work. I'm like, well, hello, carb girl here. Exactly. <laughs> but, right. But that was the big thing, 2017, 2018. It was. And so... I was doing it with keto, not clean fasting, though. I know I was doing the MCT oil. I was doing the butter, bullet coffees, all of those things. And my sister was just doing intermittent fasting. But for some reason, I was so into what we were doing and how much it was working for us. Even though looking back now, we were just working so much harder than she was. And she was going to the gym. But we really weren't talking. We were just kind of doing our own thing and my thing is working and she, her thing is working. Great. We're both working. So we did keto for about two years, my husband and I. I got down to probably 210. I got down, but I looked great because I was working out. I was doing a lot of strength training and he looked great. And so that brought us down to, you know, right before the pandemic, I would say, because at that when you do keto for a couple of years, you kind of get into the habit, but then there's so many things you miss. There's so many Thanksgivings that there there would be Thanksgiving where I wouldn't participate or I would come and I would bring all the cauliflower mashed potatoes, which not the same. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> or just eating the turkey at Thanksgiving or going through a holiday season. I went through two holiday seasons where I was baking so much with erythritol and almond flour and coke, anything I could possibly make with those so substituting ingredients. Yeah, I was doing that. And it was a lot of work. It was a lot of planning. It was a lot of cooking and just a lot of restriction. And not being able to go out for pizza or, you know, just things like that. But we were doing it together. That is something about my husband. If I'm doing something, he does it with me. I love that. And when you do it with your husband, it's a lot more doable. So I think that's the only reason I was able to do it for as long as we did. Oh, yeah. If he wasn't doing it, can you imagine trying to do it on your own without him doing it? Oh, it no. And, and what finally started cracking us was we were doing a lot of road trips because my son does gymnastics and we were doing a lot of traveling. And keto does not mix with traveling. It doesn't mix with being on the road. It's very difficult to, it's very much a diet where you have to cook. And so just being just trying to grab something quick. You know, it was very hard. So then we kind of made a concession. We said, well, whenever we go out of town, we'll come off keto. That was the wrong decision because. Yeah, because it's like, yeah, there you go. Yeah. 
it's it's a slippery slope and so we started slipping and so that was at the end of 2019 right into the pandemic and then we tried to hang on for just a little bit longer but then we just completely fell off in 2020 of keto and at that point, we were staying home more. We started to, you know, indulge more in the snacking and the and the baking and the drinking and everything else that everybody else was doing. And the weight went all the way back up. All the way back up. Yeah. To about 267. And it just crushed me. It just is another low point for me. And I don't know of a worse feeling of maybe, I don't know what's worse, to never lose the weight or to lose it. And then to gain it back, it just, it's I get, terrible. No, I totally get it. Every single one of us that has ever yo-yoed gets that. It feels terrible to gain it back. And then you have the smaller clothes that are just like right. mocking oh. you. You know what I mean? Like sitting, one time right before I, I finally lost the weight, I was so mad at those smaller clothes. I got rid of most of them. I wish mm-hmm. I hadn't. I but <laughs> it was like right before I finally did it. But you're just like, I am never going to be that size again. Forget it. They're just mocking me. Exactly. It was painful. It was painful, it painful. Mm-hmm. to see the smaller clothes and to know that feeling. And then that's another thing with keto is, I don't know for everyone, but if you come off of it, your weight can very quickly go back up within, you know, six to eight months. It, it can really do some, wreak some havoc on you. So That's what happened, but we were in the middle of a pandemic trying to get our kids through school. So that goes for a couple of years and then um, get to the spring of 2022 and I've had it, but I knew keto worked for me. So I was like, Stuart, we're going back on keto. We're going to do it. So that the beginning of 2022, we start going back on keto. But you know, when you do something the second time around, it's never as easy. Yeah. And you're also like resentful because you yeah. remember what it was like and you're like, but you, you doesn't have that same glow it had the first time, that excitement. Instead, you're like, <laughs> I don't want to eat that. Here I don't want to call flour. Yeah. Got to yeah. pull out the almond flour. I've got to start, you know, rearranging our whole lives. And you go to lunch with your friends at work and you have to do something or they bring in, you know, it's just such a socially limiting diet. Right. And but I was desperate. So we're, we're doing it. We're going to go. We had a vacation planned um, to go to California with our kids in June of 2022. And so that we were gearing up for that, you know, we're going to have to ride on an airplane. That was always one of the most terrible things in, the, in that period of time was getting on an airplane for me, having to use the seatbelt extenders and wondering if you're going to even, it's just awful. And so that was our motivation for starting keto back again. And then I remember my sister, meanwhile, Jen, never stopped fasting. Yay, sister. (laughs) I just look back and I kick myself. I'm like, why was it? Her and I are so close. We are so close. We we live in the same city. We are. And I just don't know why I'm so blind. Why I didn't pay more attention to what she was doing. We're getting ready to go on vacation. I've lost maybe 10 pounds before on keto at this point. It's not going as well as it did the first time. I think I was probably cheating a little bit more. I wasn't as strict as I was the first time around and definitely not going to the gym like I was the first time. And so then we we go to an event for my work. I work for a church, so it's my church slash slash work. And I remember talking to our pastor's wife and just, it was an innocent conversation. We were looking through, she was showing me bathing suits that I could try. And then I just asked her, I I don't know, our conversation just led to how she controls her weight. And she just said, well, you know, I just, I just don't eat until like 10 or 11 every day. And she never used the word fasting. She didn't say it, but something inside of when she said that, it triggered to my keto days, it triggered to my sister. And it was just kind of like the perfect moment where I was like, "Uh, what? Okay, this is something I need to look into. Because it's worked for her, it's worked for my sister. And I know that I was doing it as well. And so I started YouTube. At that point, I wasn't into podcasts. I didn't even know what a podcast was. And so I was (laughs) into YouTube, though, right? 
So I YouTube intermittent fasting and I got um, with Jackie, which was the intermittent fasting foodie. Jackie Arena is her last name. Jackie no, it's, Arena. it's more, more Vochik oh, or yeah, something yeah, yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't yeah. ever say it. But her channel is the one I found. And she and tell points, me the name of her channel again. Her channel it's is. It's the Intermittent Fasting, fasting Foodie. Foodie. Yeah, fasting yeah, yeah. Foodie. Yeah. And she always points to your book. That is every video that I watched of her when she would get questions from people, read Jen's book. Read Jen's book. And so I also love audiobooks. And so right before vacation, I bought Fast Feast Repeat on audiobook. And I remember listening to it in the plane, listening to it while we drive around California. I was just listening to this book and I was like mind blown. I didn't ever do fasting correctly, you know, when I was on keto. And so listening to that, I was just, it was the answer and I knew it. I knew that this is what, right? Like like, this is it. It, It was so simple. It was so appealing. I remember we were in California and I decided, I think I started with a 16-hour fast, a 16-8, quickly went to 18-6. But I remember just sitting there and I ordered nachos at this restaurant in California and they were amazing. And I knew that I had fasted that day. And I think because I had so much keto in my background, I didn't have that hard of a time getting acclimated to fasting. I'm going to say right now, I think you're right. And, you know, the time that, you know, I dabbled in intermittent fasting, didn't really understand it back in the day, 2009 to 2014 years, the time it finally stuck was after I had done that whole summer of keto and lost zero weight, I had a little ketonics breathalyzer that they had back in 2014. You would plug it in and blow into it. I was getting into ketosis while I was on keto, but I was eating so much, the the bulletproof coffee and having the whatever. I was eating so much fat that I never needed to tap into my stored fat. So I never lost a pound, but I was definitely in ketosis from all the fat my body was burning because I wasn't putting in any carbs. I was like hardcore 20 grams of carbs or less a day. And I wasn't counting net. I was like, I'm going to do it perfectly, right? Lost no weight, but I was in ketosis. And I had been able to measure it. So when I started intermittent fasting that August, I reintroduced all the carbs, but started with my daily eating window. And it was not a struggle that time. I really do think because I was fat adapted, my body knew how to do that. That machinery had, you know, gone into effect. And I started losing about a pound a week. And it just felt like a miracle after all that restriction and losing nothing. And so I remember like, you remember what they told us in the keto community that if you like eat carbs, it'll kick you out of ketosis for like two weeks or I don't even know it, but for like forever. But I would have, I remember one night I had a cheeseburger and fries and it was not long after I'd switched over. And the next day I was like, I think I taste ketones in my mouth and I had a cheeseburger and fries last night. So I pulled out my ketonics and I blew into it. And sure enough, it registered ketones. I'm like, how is this possible? We didn't know. We didn't understand it. But no. Yeah, I really do think that your keto experience made the transition easier for you. Yeah, I think so. I think it it kind of trained my body how to flip over a little bit quicker with my husband as well. And I just remember having that plate of nachos and having no guilt. Probably for the first time in my life, I was able to eat nachos with no guilt and enjoy every single meal we had in California. And I just woke up every day. I remember even starting the black coffee and I didn't love it at first, but I just was kind of taking it like medicine almost. I was just, I got to get the caffeine. I've got to make sure that I don't get a headache or something. And, And I would just wake up every morning, wait as long as I could on vacation. So you when started was, on vacation? I started on I vacation. <laughs> on the plane, I had the audiobook and I was like, I'm doing this. I'm doing love this it. starting right now. Right now I'm doing this because it made so much sense. I just remember I had my family in the car. I did all the driving when we were in California. I had my audiobook on and I was just like, this is it. This is it. And and it was easy and it actually made my vacation better. You know, it wasn't restricting because before maybe I could eat all day, but every single one of those meals was guilt. What should I order? How can I keep this low calorie? Is this too many carbs? There was so many questions 
Whereas if I just waited and kept it in the window, I could look at a menu for the first time in my life and say, what do I actually want? What is the best thing on this menu? And to yeah. order it. Oh my God, I love that so much. I've never had that. I've what never had that. What is the best thing on this menu? Yes. Yeah. That's the way I order. That is yeah. 100% the way I order. And it's why I can't do any kind of restriction. You've heard me talk about my recent diet brain that I just finally you know, cured myself of. But I want to order the best thing on the menu that looks like it's going to satisfy me and be the most delicious. That's it. And that to this day, so that was June of 2022. I probably lost about 20 pounds very quickly within a month and a half. And and I think that was mostly inflammation and just, I started at 267, lost about 20 pounds really quickly. And then over the, the rest of 2022, slowly got back down to about 230 and then hit a plateau for probably seven or eight months. But you know what? At that moment, I told myself, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And I'm in the, I was 40, I'm 40, I can't remember, but. I got to figure out where, what year is it? I know. <laughs> that was 2022. So I think I was 46, but I told myself, I'm going to give myself till 50 and I'm just going to do this until I'm 50 because it's easy to do. I don't feel like I'm missing anything. I don't feel like, like with keto, it was like, oh, I got it. I, you know, I can just do this for just one more month or two more. I'm like, I can do this for the rest of my life easily. And I'm going to just give it till I'm 50. And I'm going to just go based on how I'm feeling. And I'm feeling amazing. I'm feeling. And so the plateau didn't bother me. Whereas before when I did other diets, plateaus would kill me and it would make me want to give up. And so then I started at that point, I was on one meal a day and my husband was fully on board. He started fasting on our vacation as well. He's never read a single book of fasting. He's never listened to a single podcast. He's, that's not his thing. He, I'm his resource. He's got you. <laughs> he just does what you do. He I does love that what so I do. much though. Yeah. <laughs> but I tell him I'm open. I And he also did the intermittent fasting when we did keto. So he's not a stranger to it either. But we're both just slowly. So I've started losing again because I did introduce some down and up days. And so I've, I unstuck from that. I was stuck at 230. It was like the scale would not cross. And then it went all the way down to like 222. And so I'm kind of floating around in there right now. And, and it's fine. I'm taking it in like 10 pound chunks. And I feel like my body is reestablishing like set points or it's just kind of getting into a, a short term maintenance. But it's no problem at all. It's no problem. I tell people if I never lost another pound from where I am right now, I would be so pleased and I would be satisfied. I went to see my doctor last August and I had seen her the August before because I'm on blood pressure medication. So I have to go to get a physical every year. And she just saw me this last August and she said, what are you doing? She just said, you look great. Your blood looks great. She said, I've never had any kind of like diabetic. That's never been like a concern with any of my blood tests. But she said, you just, your vitamin levels all look great. And she said, you just look really good. So she said, just keep up what you're doing. She says, I would just focus on like another 20 pounds, but you look great. And a couple of episodes ago, I heard you talk about the smart BMI. And that has really been so helpful to me because I realized that I was closer to where I can comfortably be at my age. And so it's just given me a lot more peace. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture-proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. 
like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. I'm glad. And I, cause I think that's what's so important is having that peace. And you're know, recognizing that your body and my body are built completely differently. We're different sizes. We're different shapes. We're going to maintain in a different range no matter what we do. You can't be like me. I can't be like you. Uh, my body's not going to grow and get taller and bigger. And we have to think about what is the body I have and how can I be the healthiest in this body that I have and nourish myself well and lose that diet food noise, but also stop picking apart our imperfections. Absolutely. And I have a very physical job. We film on set. I'm carrying lots of equipment. I'm on my feet. And I just want to feel good. I want to be able to squat down. I want to be able to, you know, at my age, most of the people that I work with are in their 20s. And and I'm by far the oldest person on my team. And I keep up with them. We need to climb up a mountain. I'm there. You know, it's just I'm up and down ladders. and, And I can do that very comfortably. And so that has kind of become more of my why than when I first started. When I first started, obviously it was weight loss, but now it's just about being healthy. And I have a 12-year-old daughter. I want her to see that peace that I have with eating. I want her to see me enjoying food and enjoying and being, you know, comfortable in the body that I'm in and being healthy. And so I love it when my son, he's, my son is like about six foot one. He's 15 years old. Oh, wow. When I started, he was shorter than me. Now he's taller than me. And he comes and hugs me. And he's like, Mom, you're just so small now. He's a big old boy. He's a big boy. boy, He's like, I just want to pick you up. And he's a gymnast, so he can. But it's just such a great feeling to show my kids that both me and my husband can have a healthy relationship. And we, my son probably went two years without eating a potato because we were on keto, so they were on keto. Right. You know, and when we first started in fasting and we would make like a baked potato, it was like he was just loving it. I was like, uh-huh. oh my gosh. <laughs> what have we done? <laughs> well, now he's like, potatoes are back on the menu. Yeah. It's potatoes are a gift from God. For sure. But I will say, with fasting, I have definitely, well, keto gave me an appreciation for Whole Foods. Right. That's good. Keto gave me appreciation for shopping the outer circle, looking for meats and vegetables and cutting back on the processed foods. You have to on keto. So well, if you're doing it right, right. You know, because there's a lot of keto products out there, like keto loaf bread. I'm like, what is this nonsense? This is not right. What is it made out of? The sawdust? I don't know. A million ingredients. Uh, those, yeah. Those keto bombs. That is not keto yogurt, keto whatever. These are not keto. What? No. But I'm, I'm so glad that you it gave you that appreciation for whole foods because that really is what fuels our bodies. That's what our bodies know. Keto bread, our body doesn't know what that is. That I will give keto. I will say that it, it, it introduced vegetables into our life and into my son's life. And so I feel like that switch hasn't been as dramatic because it was already something that we enjoyed. So now we plan meals around what vegetable are we going to have? You know, what, what's, oh, green beans sound good. What meat can we have? And then, but now I can still enjoy pumpkin pie at Thanksgiving, or, you know, I can still go out for ice cream with my family and I don't sit down and have ice cream every night like I used to in our snacking years or share a bag of popcorn every single night. You know, but now if I go to the movies, it's not like, oh, can I get popcorn? How, you know, like living off of no movie popcorn for two years while you're on keto. Now I've been to the movies. I've gotten popcorn. I've not gotten popcorn. I've gotten in the fast. If you feel like it. Yeah. You get to decide. It's just amazing. 
It right. just blows my mind how much I've changed and how that old mindset of, you know, oh, I just ate this ice cream. Now I need to see if I can get rid of it, whether it's exercise or purging or how can I walk this off? It's no longer in my brain. And that to me is a blessing directly from God. And I remember when I started this process, there was a song that I was listening to. It was called Healing by Blanca. And, and I would tell people, if you're into music, to find a song when you first start that gives you just a reminder, you know, and that song to me, it was like it was talking about healing. And I knew that God was healing me, like fasting was healing my entire body, my mind and my soul and just so many things inside of me that people couldn't even see. That is just beautiful. I love the idea of finding a song yeah. and letting that inspire you through the process. And we're recording this in December, but it's coming out at the end of February and we'll have lots of new intermittent fasters at the beginning of the year. But recognizing that this is more transformational than just you know, how many pounds did you lose? It transforms us really from the inside out in ways we didn't even know we needed to transform. That's really been the most powerful message of the journey that I've learned and hearing it from people over and over. And, and like you are at a, a peaceful place. Like you, I can just see the peace is radiating from you. You're peaceful with food, peaceful with the process. I would say as well, when my husband and I, we try to do two down days a week now and we'll sit together on Sunday and we'll say, which days do you want to do down days together this week? And we'll look at our calendar. We'll look at what's going on. And, you know, he'll say, well, I might have lunch plans. So let's do a down day on this day. And so I do it with him every now and then it doesn't work out and we do different down days and that works out fine too. It's brought us together and it's helped us so much. Just, I, I can't thank him enough for doing this with me. But I will say on the days that we have down days, it's our mood is elevated. It's the most weird thing to think about that you would be in a better mood when you're fully fasted. The updates, I've heard everyone say, but it's true. The updates are harder. It's um, true. Yeah, that, that's, it's, that blows your mind because you're like, well, does. I don't know if I could do ADF because I'm good at fasting, but the updates are really the hardest part. The eating, the having to, you know, refuel yourself on the update. You're, you're not used to eating like that anymore. Exactly. It. Yeah. It's just done so much for our mental state and our just lack of anxiety. It just helps our mood so much. And my, my kids will say, you guys are in such good moods these days. You know, you're just, you're just so much lighter. And it's, it's true when you don't have that, like you were saying that constant, always in the back of your mind, what am I eating? How am I going to lose weight? When should I go to the gym? When should I exercise? It just, when you don't have that anymore, it's just, it frees you up to do so many different things. My house has never been cleaner and more organized. And I bet you've gotten rid of stuff too. Have you had that same Minimal, kind of thing? You're like, like it's like you're shedding the layers Shed. of junk that you don't even junk. need, like material things as well. We don't drink alcohol anymore. I read so many books that you've recommended. The Naked Mind has changed my life extremely. Finances, where you're just trying to say what's needed. We don't need this extra, you know, go into the garage and just throw things out, donate things, clean out your closets. You don't need all these clothes, you know. And so it's just changed so many different parts of my life. It's just given me so much peace. And I can't stop talking about it. I can't. You, you ask people, anyone that knows me knows. And I think it makes it easier. Jen, it's just like I hear people saying, oh, I'm going to go on vacation and they don't really know that I do this. And so what should I? I tell people, I say, I'm faster. And that's another tip that you gave us from Atomic Habits that I'm a faster and I'm not shy about it. And so I, everyone at my work knows that some days I will join them for lunch. And if I'm not eating, I no longer get that. Are you sure? Oh, I feel so bad. I, I hate eating this in front. Nobody says that to me anymore. Yeah, because you're like not modeling that you feel so terrible and you're no. like, no, I can't today. Today I'm fasting. You know, it, it really people reflect back what you put out. If you put out that you're confident about it, that you're fine, they're like, okay, you're fine. But if you put out that there's like something like shameful or weird about it, then that's what they'll pick up. So Right. My husband, too. We had a down day yesterday. And so because he has a work thing today and then I took the day off. And so it's just his 
work people already know are you eating today and so it's not it's completely normalized it's not something weird to talk about or that they think is weird anymore they just know that that's what we do so tell us some any of your non-scale victories that you haven't already mentioned you've mentioned so many already <laughs> well the peace of mind is the biggest one but i have been somebody that i do my mom has rheumatoid arthritis i have a lot of arthritis in my family on my mom's side and so i had already started feeling that inflammation in my early 40s. That is gone. I suffered with plantar fasciitis so badly. I had to wear special shoes. I had to put special inserts, do all these stretches. Now it's not even a thought. I can go to Walmart and pick out any pair of shoes that I want and they don't bother me. I can, it's, it's not even anything. I used to have to get special orthopedics in my early 40s to not have pain. And now, you know, I never was like diagnosed with plantar fasciitis. I'd really never heard of it. But now that you mentioned that, I used to wear when I was teaching, I would always wear like dance goes and all those special kind of shoes and they had to be certain shoes. And now like when I went to San Francisco at the end of August, I wore like literally like rubber flip flops to walk, you know, seven miles a day and I didn't even care. My feet were fine. So I, I wonder if I had some of that because I really did. I had like the dance goes and the whatever. Right. Yeah, that's a, a huge victory. Walking barefoot at home was a no-no. I'd always have to have, and now I walk barefoot everywhere. It just, I don't have any feet problems at all. I can stand up in the morning and before it would just be stiff and achy and I can just run down the stairs with both feet. You know, some people you have to, you know, the thing where you have to do one step at a time, you know, because you're still kind of stiff, run down the stairs, run up the stairs, all the energy, all the, like I said, at work, I have a very physical job and I'm comparing myself to people that are much younger than me. And so keeping up with them sometimes, but I do it effortlessly now, I would say. They're going to have to keep up with you. <laughs> That's my, one of my favorite things is like when we have big film days that are, you know, 11 hour days and we always have to stop and figure out food. And I never eat on a film day. Never. That's always a down day for me or a one meal a day that I, I can't think of something more terrible than stopping in the middle of a day, eating a big meal and then expecting to be physical again. It's just so much simpler when you can just go and just keep going. And then at the end of the day, enjoy your food. But it's just funny, but they all know and nobody gives me a hard time. And, and it's fun because I can usually be the one that runs out and gets everyone their food. And, and you don't it even back. mind. It's no big deal. And I don't know, not at all. And I don't have to, it's just very freeing to me to I be able that. to well, have that whole type. We are almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting or what do you wish you knew when you first started? I would say the first thing to start off with is to set more of a long-term goal. Don't expect something that is going to quickly shed you of weight like diets that you've done in the past. And it's okay to take time. I would set at least a year and take it slowly. I would also say once you start, it'll probably be weight loss. But quickly after that, you're going to see some other things changing in your body. And I would attach more to those things as you proceed. I would celebrate the non-scale ways that you feel more than the weight loss. And I wouldn't give up fasting now just for those reasons. Like I said, even if I never lost another pound, I wouldn't give up those non-scale feeling great, not having feet pain. My skin has cleared up. My hair and nails are so strong and healthy. Those are the things that now is what keeps me going, even though the weight loss stalls sometimes. And also, we say this all the time, so important. These podcasts I take my dogs for walks almost every day. I have a podcast in my ear. Stay connected. Always find people around you that are doing it and talk about it. Put it out there. Make sure people know that that's what you do and that's who you are. And that way they will kind of not make it difficult for you anymore. I love that. And Christine, it has been such a pleasure to talk to you today. And thank you for sharing your story. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. 
So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. For more than two centuries, the White House has been the stage for some of the most dramatic scenes in American history. Inspired by the hit podcast, American History Tellers, Wondery and William Morrow present the new book, The Hidden History of the White House. Each chapter will bring you inside the fierce power struggles, the world-altering decisions, and shocking scandals that have shaped our nation. You'll be there when the very foundations of the White House are laid in 1792, and you'll watch as the British burn it down in 1814. Then you'll hear the intimate conversations between FDR and Winston Churchill as they make plans to defeat Nazi forces in 1941. And you'll be in the Situation Room when President Barack Obama approves the raid to bring down the most infamous terrorist in American history. Pre-order The Hidden History of the White House now in hardcover or digital editions wherever you get your books.